I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, film lovers and other listeners. And joining us this week, we have a guest. That rare occurrence when we have a guest. Uh, it's friend of the show, uh, Mr. Humphrey Carr. Hello. Hello. This, I, this, I think this is my number four. Your number four. More uh, than that. Oh, more was, than that. Is it more than that? Remind us what films you've brought in before. I've previously brought in uh, A Bridge Too Far, um, How to Train Your Dragon uh, in 3D. I saw it in 3D. Uh, and then also Any Given Sunday. I don't know what else. So all of a genre, really. Oh, Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow, yes. So this could be my five. I mean, you're going to take the podcast home now. That's right. I think you've done the most, then. Probably. I'm your least employed friend. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's why I'm here so regularly. And we've had a plaque made. Yeah, oh, splendid. But you oh. will have to hand it to somebody else if somebody else is employed there. Sure, I was going to get to the pawn shop to make up for my lack of sweet cheddar from, from genuine work. I think we talk about uh, the lack of work more than films on this podcast. Yeah, it's sort of become a, it's become a bit of a sort of group therapy <laughs> session, hasn't it? I wonder if all of the listeners are out of work as well. If you're struggling uh, with a career in the arts, then why not email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. We could apply to get some sponsorship by some sort of job centre advertising thing. Or Samaritans, it? probably. <laughs> Samar- don't, yeah. don't top yourself, guys. It's not that bad. Just watch a film. It'll only cost you £15. I've went, uh, before we talk about your film, I've seen a film. Go on. And I'm going to talk about it right now. Yeah, yeah, do it. Um, one of our listeners, um, or a few people have mentioned Upstream Colour, uh, which is a film by Shane Carruth. That dog in the background is Buddy the Dog for new listeners. Um, there was, he, he made this film about ten years ago called Primer, which is really weird. And we talked about it on this podcast. It's a huge cult film. Uh, Very low budget time travel film. But the right. interesting thing about it is, is you're watching the film that has been adjusted by time. So you're watching the the last sort of uh, the finished thing where bits people have gone back in time and changed time, but you don't see that happening. You just see what's happened, the what's final thing. Yeah. So it's quite. It's, you're almost seeing a sort of resolved timeline. Okay. So there are chunks missing that you have to work out what must have happened in that bit. Ooh, that so quite it's fun. a it's a film that you don't actually you can't understand by watching it once. No. So it changes the way you view film. You can understand enough not to be completely lost. Like, you can get an inkling, but... Yeah, it's a bit of a puzzle, isn't it? You you can go away and unlock it. Um, So it's more like a crossword, like a... Not even a quick crossword, a proper... um, Cryptic one. Yeah. Mm. So if you like cryptic crosswords, but don't like doing them, but like watching films instead, do that. There's lots of websites about it. Anyway, he's quite an interesting sort of auteur... 
so I was very interested to see this upstream colour and he filmed this all on a GH2 which is the same camera as David's got there you've oh, said yeah. that so many times that I'm all interested. films filmed on my camera no I'm really interested in, in all these new people making films on cheap cameras So and it still looks great yeah well, that one. Oh, he just called your camera cheap. It's not just cheap. Through shade. Yeah. Have you and I filmed uh, the mug of time on that? No, I didn't. No, we filmed it on something much better. <laughs> so this is. Uh, I think we've been we've been stuck a lot. I've been talking about being out of work. The other thing we talk about on this is uh, every other film's a superhero film, and that dominates cinema. It's quite nice to see a film that play, pays no regard to plot or anything normal you've ever seen in films. <laughs> right. Okay, so what kind of puzzle is this film like? This isn't really... Well, it's shot... You're trying to work out what's going on with his films all the way through, and it's weird, and it almost feels like an advert. So there's so many cutaways. So as there was our conversation here, it'll just be jump cut from the start of the conversation, you maybe Humphrey's knee for a bit... Humphrey touching his face, me drinking my coffee, and then another few words later on in the conversation. You never see a whole bit. It's very stylistically strange to watch. Okay. And you get used to trying to work out what's going on. Basically, there's a girl, a woman, who gets this disease which comes from a plant and has some sort of worm growing inside her. So it feels a bit Cronenberg-y. Yeah, body, body horror sort of stuff. It feels slightly like that, and that gets removed, and it takes away part of her soul. And all these other people had it done to them as well. And uh, this woman and, and Shane Carruth are linked together by this bit of them that's missing. I have to find out what's going on. And it's related to this weird man who runs a pig farm, and he plays music to the pigs, and who are somehow connected to them. It is weird... <laughs> It's a film you start watching and you think, I just about what I know what's going on, but I'm going to check on Wikipedia to see what the actual plot is and what sure. people think is happening well, so I can understand what's going on. I quite like that. I do, I do like anything, whether it's a book or a film or a computer game, any form of uh, art, which those are the three. The a three chair, three, bit a chair, that, that, that you benefit by going on, online and seeing what other weirdos think about it mm, yeah like, well, other, weird, other weirdos or weirdos weirdo well I say other weirdos for, for, uh, for the three of us but, okay um, I uh, I had to do that with the Saw movies because I don't right. know if you've seen any of those I ha- I've, never I've seen one. them all alright but I I foolishly watched them in reverse order just the right. way it happened and every su- subsequent Saw film is probably cheaper than the previous one because they had to shoot less of it because it they all involve an enormous amount of flashback from the previous films. Right. And so I watched the last one and was so baffled by what on earth was happening because there were callbacks to, what, six films? Sure. Plus, all the actresses um, look the same as each other and all the actors look like the same guy. Right, right, right. Apart from Carrie Elwes. You can recognise him. Obviously. Uh, but... So I had to go on Wikipedia, and that was incredibly helpful. To so that'll be a Shane Carruth will make his next film about someone watching films backwards. I really like this guy because he and he does all, all the music he made himself as well. He's a complete or he he writes it, he directs it, he produces it, he does all the music. He's got his own vision about what film he's going to make. He makes his low budget films. It's only his second one, so it's obviously a big project. Do you know the budget? Um, I, look I don't think it was very much. I'll look it up now. But I, they're fascinating. I do think it's a bit where it does come down to having watched so many films, your uh, taste gets warped. 
So you do, you you're what you like. Another person who's watching the film for the first time might think, "What is this? Is totally mental from, and doesn't make any sense at all." Yeah. If you go into it thinking, "Oh, I know, I know he's made Prime before. I know it's going to be weird, and it's a puzzle, and I I want to find out what's going on." And the, the plot lines. I mean, the plot is sort of quite ambiguous. So you've got. I think it makes it more personal to yourself. And you're trying to work out what the plot is. It's, a, it's a, a different film experience. Not necessarily amazingly enjoyable. And I just find it a bit weird and slow in places. And you think what some bits just seem like total red herrings. Uh, people finding this at the start. Basically there's some guys scraping this blue off plants. And making these maggots. And making this drug out of these maggots. And these kids are having a, inhaling this drug. And copying each other in perfect sync. And you think I don't even know what this is. Yeah. I don't know what is happening. This is a bit like Top Gun. <laughs> Very much like that. If you take away the love interest and Yeah, so put, there's no Kenny McGillis. And just put some pigs in it instead. So yeah. the pigs instead of planes. Top pigs. And change the music to art sort of art house music. Yeah, yeah. Does it avoid being art wank? It is on the line of it. Okay. I do think there's something to be said once you get if, if it was his first film whether this would have been appreciated but I think he got that cult status from Primer yeah. which isn't really a great film you watch it it looks like it's a student film but the idea is so great this is a lot more obviously filmically it looks a lot better and looks really artistic and looks beautiful Yeah. but it's, I'm really intrigued I want to meet someone who's watched it uh, and I want to watch them watching Upstream Colour yeah. and talk to them about what they think is happening mm. okay well, I might see it because Primer frustrated me greatly when I first saw it, I, and I wasn't sure it was any good. But then it was one that sort of stayed in my brain and haunted me a bit. And your your brain wants to understand it, and so unlocks it. And they're actually that it, it's that that you enjoy yeah. the more. Um, are I you mean, are you one for an arty films, Humphrey? Do you um, uh, do you partake? I don't know. I mean, I you know I'm a man of letters, not pictures. Uh, what the hell are you doing on this show? I know. Well, I'm coming in as a sort of, uh, you know, a voice of um, dissent, I suppose. <laughs> I don't really care for movies. Uh, no, I, I'm not very good on, on... Well, here's the thing. I'm one of those people who... You have to kind of drive me at gunpoint to, to go to watch a movie like Upstream Colour. And then I'll, I'll quite often watch it and go, like, oh, God, that was great. But then the problem is, when presented with the, the various uh, options at my local multiplex... Um, I'm much more likely to go for uh, non-stop starring Liam Neeson because basically my f- favourite part of the movies is going and watching something that is total garbage that I'll then forget. It's the, the it's the Netflix dilemma. You just go, oh, I've not heard of that. Oh, Nicolas Cage is in something. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> for some reason, they've got all the Nicolas Cage movies here. I, I mean, I could. It's because they're public domain, aren't they? Drive he, angry. He still <laughs> can't make any money. I think so. I think he didn't. He die a hundred years ago. Uh, last week, and so he doesn't look alive anymore. Nicholas Cage, he looks less and less human. Yeah, well, I we'll saw. Him, I we? saw a video of him uh, uh, in. I think it must have been the early eighties. Uh, forward flipping, really ineptly, and then doing a kung fu kick um, to arrive on the Wogan show. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he starts yeah. giving out dollar bills as well. Yeah. Um, he's he see he, it's almost like he thinks it's going to be like a big like whoop fest like Letterman or something yeah because he's not been to this country. <laughs> I really hope the audience is sufficiently quiet that you can hear the little sort of grunt he makes when he plants his landing. 
Well, I think once you've seen, we we reviewed Vampire's Kiss um, yes. about six months ago, and once you've seen that, it fundamentally changes your opinion of Nicolas Cage. In fact, that you think, oh, actually, before I thought you were quite quirky and weird, and now I think you are totally insane. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. I'll have to. Oh, uh, you have to see I've Vampire's seen most Kiss. Of his oeuvre. No, Vampire's Kiss is, is the, the it's, best. It's okay. the pure. It's the crack cocaine of Nicolas Cage. And you see distilled bits of... You see moments of Vampire's Kiss, and we're talking in a lot of his films. Yeah. It looks where the Vampire's Kiss case is coming up, and the director's it's, going, what, we need it's to... Stark, it's a stark enough directed film that you can see Nicolas Cage's decisions in isolation right. and just realise how batshit crazy okay, they amazing. are. amazing. My girlfriend is an even bigger Nicolas Cage fan than I am, so uh, I will, that's a little treat for when I get home. It's incredible. Um, so uh, I'll just be brief on option colour. I give yeah. it... Six, six or seven Mariks. It's really interesting if you want to watch a film where you you know trying to work out what's going on, and if you like Primer, and at least there are people like Shane Carruth doing things, yeah, and which is really important. But uh, my favourite indie film this year remains Blue Ruin, which is incredible. I still to see that, but yes, a thriller, which I think you might be able to hopefully be online soon. So, have you found any films with Blue in the title that aren't good yet? Oh, we've talked about that. Yeah, you, well, you said that you think every film with blue in the title is good. I might make Ooh. one. There must be one bad one. That's be blue at the start, I think. Uh, Not yeah, Deep Blue Sea? Biloxi Blues. Yeah. I haven't seen that, but... Um, yeah, I think Deep Blue Sea, Cracker. The, the general v- uh, rule is zombie films are normally good and f- films with blue in are good. So I'm just going to make zombie blues or I, blue, blue zombie. I heard then it will, uh, blue zombie would... I like it already. It's, it's uh, intriguing. He's a policeman. He's a policeman. Yeah. It's like Thin Blue Line, but with zombies. It's hot fuzz meets Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, just mash them together. Yeah, or you just make all the police force gets taken over by zombies, and they realise they can just use them, control them to do, they just put zombie police out there. Yeah, but then they lose control of them. Yeah. And then they have to and other people. Turn to? The prisoners. Who do you turn to? The Only the prisoners can save us from the zombies for some reason. Yeah, They've got to let all the prisoners out to kill the people that put them in the first place. Yeah. Oh my god! Holy I, I shit! You're going to edit this out of the podcast. This is too good. Someone's going to listen to this blue zombie thing, and then they're going to get it, and then they're going to come back, and they're going to say we went back in time and we made this podcast. And then Shane Cooper is going to do a film about. <laughs> Somewhere. This could be quite useful because you've now got a digital record of having come up with this. Yeah, but idea. if if someone goes back in time, we'll re-listen to this and we won't have this idea at all. Oh yeah, someone will have killed it. Uh, yes, yeah, so a lot of the time we'd come up with rubbish ideas in the past. Yeah, like when I came up with a constant builder because I've been suffering from people building. <laughs> constant yeah, and the idea was in two weeks. Well, apparently I went mental according to some people a couple of weeks ago. Um, breakdown. You you had a breakdown, is what they said. Saying that um, I, everywhere I live is building work. And I would go and kill all the builders everywhere, and there'd be no new houses, and it would be cause oh, yeah. real upheaval. It's not as good as Blue uh, Zombie, though. Blue Zombie, it I really like. It sounds a bit like uh, sort of falling down type. Uh, it was scenario. like that, but more domestic. Yeah. If it can be more domestic than that. Less highway based. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, I'm intrigued by um, by Upstream Colour. I'm more intrigued by Blue Zombie. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll we'll tell write you, it up. I'll tell you what happens, though. What happens when we get. You know, what does happen when we get a guest on? What do you mean? We, know we play we a game, remember. don't we? Oh, we play a game. Do you want to do that first? Game first? Well, I've done the film, haven't I? Oh, we got no letters? Uh, uh, not, no. No, okay. Well, we'll play a game <laughs> then. Um, 
we're going to do our casting challenge, Humphrey. Oh, yeah, this no, I played this one. I You're like going to judge our castings. We're actually going to uh, return to one we've done previously to complete the cast. Um, okay. Because it's it's an ensemble and we don't really feel we touched the surface previously. We did our remake of Flash Gordon. Okay. Um, I got three for three. I'll put that out there. So Marek has to reclaim this. Um, uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, as Flash. Mila Kunis as Princess Aura and uh, Hugo Weaving as Ming the Merciless. So that was your original. That was the original. Trio. I was going to say, you shot those out pretty quickly. Why uh, attention? The, the uh, what we're casting this week is going to be um, Prince uh, uh, Voltan. Yes. Uh, Prince Baron. Um, yes. And uh, Topol. So Dr. Hans Zarkov, formerly of NASA. Oh, yes. Okay. And, and Voltan was played by Brian Blessed. Brian and Blessed. Prince Baron was. Um, uh, Timothy, Timothy Dawson, Dalton right. yes. and Topol was Dr. Hans Arthur, yeah. formerly of NASA. So, so be it. Hump, who would you like to hear from first and for which character? Uh, I Well, I'd like uh, Hans Zarkov, please, Bob. Uh, and I'll take one from Marek first. I've got two. So I've, 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 got, I've, really got two well. I've got a really obscure one. But I'm not going to go the mainstream one. It's got to be someone older who's sort of quite sort of dithering and a bit, a very, very clever. You have to go for the guy everyone chooses, Stephen Fry. Ooh. Oh, yes, that's not that's not bad. Okay, that's I didn't bad. see him as dithering, you see. That's interesting. I saw him as a sort of... Um, he's full of joie de vivre and a force under his own. Like, he's he is a team player, but he is he, he's in his own head more than he's in the room. And That's he, also a Stephen Fry description. I guess I I wanted to see it uh, played by Bill Murray. Bill Murray, very interesting. Okay, well, first of all, I'd say you're both wrong. <laughs> I did put Tony Slattery down as my other choice. <laughs> and my other choice, actually, if we were going there, was actually um, now that he's getting older, slightly aged up, Tom Cruise. Ooh. Again, you're both wrong. The, uh, I'll have to pick one of yours, but the correct answer, obviously, is that fella from Breaking Bad. Uh, Brian, Brian Cranston. No, Aaron Paul. <laughs> what? No, I'm joking. I jest, of course, Mary. It was uh, it was but a, a silliness. I think Brian Cranston would be brilliant. Would that, you guys saw, you're not playing, Umbra. You're the saw, judge. Uh, saw um, Godzilla. He does a very good uh, oh, does worried scientist. Listen, if but, you want to do 130-odd episodes, then you can stop doing your own casting. Until then, okay, you can right. pick one of ours. Uh, I've got to say, so our options were Bill Murray, Stephen and Fry, and Stephen Bill Murray. Fry. I'm going to go with Stephen Fry. Yes, because yes! I just think Bill Murray. Bill Murray is brilliant, but he's also Wrong. you know he's not. He doesn't give that scientist sort of air of you know. Obviously, in Ghostbusters, Doctor Venkman, Doctor But he was also the whole the whole joy of him was that he was like the person who seemed he was least a, like a scientist. Oh, he was a complete fraud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, my celebration has caused Buddy the dog to get quite sexually excited with me. He's got a frisky. He loves a bit of Stephen Fry talk. Um, um, so I get that's one nil to marry. Okay. Uh, who do you, who do you want next? First penalty. Next, I'll take Prince Baron. Prince saving, Baron. We're saving, saving the impossible saving recasting the impossible of Brian Blessed yeah, for yeah. last. Okay, Prince so Baron. Dave, you're up first. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's only fair. Now, I I went round the houses on on Prince Baron because thinking back to it, it's I think uh, Dalton is sort of unique in that he has such he's dashing and heroic but has such um, uh, self-assuredness in what he's doing at all times like there's no doubt at all you can 
totally imagine him being the king of a planet. He's one of my favourite. Um, he's one of my favourite actors. He's I, a really, un, I really loved on everything yeah. he's been in. And he, he's but, really underrated. And he's got to be physically, I think, a sort of double act with Voltan as well. He's yeah. got to be the slight sort of gentleman, but with a bit of dashing and. And he's got to be sexy because he gets the princess, right? And yeah. Yeah, 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 girl. I went around the houses a bit, and the person I wanted to see do it the most, actually, and I don't think I'm going to win with this, but I think it's this, is Paul McGann. Paul McGann, interesting. What? Yeah. Interesting. Paul McGann? Yeah. What a load of nonsense. All right, man, I'll be, listen, listen, I don't want to hear you throwing any shade. I'm sorry if I sound muffled. Buddy has climbed on my face. Buddy! Ow. Oh God! It's got so many paws and they go everywhere. <laughs> Have we explained that Buddy's a dog? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Buddy's the podcast dog. Um, Buddy the podcast dog. He's got to be English. He's got to be attractive. He's got to do evil, but also can do good. not evil. He's just well, sort of, well, like, a, a, a flash of uh, of cruelty. Yes. And he's got to look good in green. Yes. Oh, I'm sensing a clue. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, he, I, he's on my list as well. Tom Hiddleston would be very good because he could have he could put on you could give him a I think he, he's got moustache in this as well he's all he does, needs yeah, a bit of yeah. moustache I mean, he needs that sort of a bit. it's a bit like um, well then Mike Wozniak yeah it was uh, David Niven moustache isn't it yeah I mean um, David Niven no, Tom be, Hiddleston was my second choice I David think Niven would have been a really really good old school one yeah yeah. but um, do you know what I mean that actually, that'd be a fun one to do is to cast people cast all modern movies with people from the that's the, what we can do past. with our next guest yeah we'll do that with the next one buddy. what oh, Come god in. I can't believe I missed out on that fun <laughs> um, I came up with that brilliant idea um, the uh, there's someone there's someone at the door there's not oh. um, uh, yes but do you know what I mean that there, there seems to be that sort of uh, that kingly presence missing from our current batch of actors a bit yeah, I mean, I, I guess Cumberbum would be another. Would be another he's on my uh, list as well, but I thought too too. Um, he's not quite sort of. Um, you don't feel the threat of physical danger. From no, Cumberbum. and also there's not the sex thing there. Yeah, he's got to be sexy. Tom Hardy. Uh, he always gets cast. He always gets things. cast in everything we do. Um, so who are you going for? I, I I'm, I'm going. I'm wait, 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 hold on. Who who picked who again? Tom Hiddleston. Marrick's two now. Okay. Yes, okay. I've already won this one, but I need to get three. You need to get three. You want to draw top, Flash Gordon? You want to top the group? Actually, yeah. Marrick, here, here's a thing. Not that it will sway Humphrey's uh, decision at no. all, but if it's you get three for three on this, and we draw the Flash Gordon, we go to Dale for a tiebreaker. Which one was oh, Dale? Dale again? is the girlfriend. Who he's just a woman. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm down with that. She was really bland. Okay. Uh, so, Marek, so it's over to you for it's Prince really, Voltan. It's really hard. This Prince Voltan. I've got two. I'm it's impossible, isn't it? Like anyone who has that jolly presence of Brian Blessed, who is just so yeah. forceful and statuesque, and we have to go for somebody. You take him down the gym. You work him up. And you make him, and it makes it more comic. But Woody Allen. No, Jack Black. <laughs> Jack Black. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I, okay, I've gone for someone I think can do big and yet uh, st- uh, still real. Someone who is broad and tall and would stand next to um, our Baron and be a different physicality. Yeah. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. Oh, my other one was Mark Addy I had, but I didn't. That's who I thought in my head. Really? Mark Addy, funnily enough. Just, just sheer sort See, of... Look, that's physical, yeah, yeah, that yeah, that is it, Mark Addy. Yeah. The old thing he did in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Playing the drunken uh, Baratheon. Well, I'll change, I'll change No, Mark no, Addy. you can't. You can't. You can't. Uh, 
Well, look, I tell you what, those are both left field and good choices. Heavy about M and Jack, Jack, Jack Black. Black. So just to keep things interesting. Oh, you can't do it for that. You've got to be honest. Well, so okay, all right. Well, then I'll give you my honest break down. Javier Bardem, he's he's brooded. He, I don't. My my two thoughts of him are like either playing like sexy charming Spanish man, or the fucking terrifying guy from uh, old, uh, No, no Country, Country for Old Men. He's a bit too intense for me. Um, yes, yes, yes. So yes, I'm gonna give it to Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> No, so um, uh, I, I'm going to have to award it to, to Mary. Yes, it's 3 0. I've really won. I really won it hard. No, you've pulled it back. It's now gone to penalties. It's Dale. gone to penalties. So it's all down to Dale. Uh, who do you want to hear from first, Hope? I haven't got um, one for Dale. Let me just look up and try and get you go first. And well, then... yeah, it's probably your turn to go first, Dave. Okay, uh, right. Let's pull someone out of my bum. Um, so they will be love interest to Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. They will be love rival to Mila Kunis. Yeah. So who is the opposite Basically, end of the scale? Basically, who, who, who would who does top deadbeat H car sort of quite fancy getting a look at in like a spandex eighties outfit in a, uh, in a movie? She doesn't wear spandex, does she? Spandex, is she? Um, she does in my remake. Big spandex fan. Um, okay. Well, the obvious choice is Jennifer Lawrence, isn't it? But I think. But it's, it's not it, that's um, it's not a meaty enough role for Lauro. Maybe you're right. What you think you need someone who's a bit more uh, happy. Well, to you just... should be a bit wasted in there, wouldn't you? Mm. You'd want her to play. Who's the one that says, "Send for Warlock and Ajax, <laughs> tell them to, to bring, bring back his body." Uh, that's the uh, that's the sexy evil henchman lady. Uh, I don't even know her name. But then you've got Clytus, the goldmast. Uh, yeah, I've ripple. got one. I've got one. I would put. See, I would put Jennifer Lawrence into into evil sidekick. Is role. that your Jennifer Lawrence? You no, no, no. Her? I haven't said Jennifer Lawrence. I'm you sound like you said it. Sounds like you said it. Um, yeah. Okay. The next name. Okay. I, I'm going to go. Mouth is I'm going to take even if you say um, Deirdre Rashid from EastEnders. No, from Coronation Street. Don't say that. Okay, it's got to be the girl next door type to sort of. Uh, Counter at the uh, the sexy exoticness of Mila Kunis's Princess Aura, uh... but bear in mind this is a Hollywood blockbuster, and so their their normal next door type will also be an outrageous babe. Emily Blunt, love Emily Blunt. That was a good choice, Marek. I'm going. I'm giving someone their film debut. Who's a pop star? Go on. I'm going to go Katy Perry. Ooh. I think wow. it's a really good choice. I don't. It's not that bad a choice. Because think... she, she's got that face. She's got the all-American face. You have her being normal. Yeah. She looks a bit like Dale Alden. Emily Blunt's just... She's too quirky for it. Emily Blunt's not quirky. But she's quirkier than <sighs> Kate... Katie Perry's entire thing is quirksome. No, she's been she's per- got quirksome written all over her. Katie Perry and Chris Hemsworth. I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> I gotta say, you've presented me with the most one of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make in my entire life. <laughs> that says a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> says that what an easy life I've led. But I love both of those two. I think Blunto is a, is a terrific actress, um, and for that reason, 
but it's not an acting role. I'm going to have to get this Katy Perry. Yes, because she's too good for it. Because again, much like Jennifer Lawrence, Blunto's too good for the part of like Jill. If if you rewrote it so that she like rode in on one of those like space scooters at the end, should have should have gone for my first instinct, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I love Melissa McCarthy. (laughs) She's brilliant. So I've got one four nil really. Yeah, not nil four three really. Four three. That was that. That was the deciding penos. Dave ballooned his final penalty over the bar. Great. I don't. I wonder if people actually enjoy this casting. Or I just think I ballooned it over the bar, more but into well, the hands of a child who wanted the game ball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's going to die otherwise? Um, that will. He can auction that game ball and receive the vital treatment he so desperately requires. Uh, I tell you what, if people, I don't, I mean, I don't want to take the lead here, but if people don't like this casting game, then they should write it. Yes, do it. And how do they write it? Well, you can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, or write on our Facebook wall, forward slash filmfandango, or tweet us at Mr. David Reed, at Marek Larwood, at The Humphrey Carr, if you want to talk to Humphrey, oh, yeah, or why at not? Film Fandango. Don't talk to me about films, though, I don't know anything. Okay. Talk to him about Luis Suarez. Talk to me about oh, naughty old Luis Suarez or uh, uh, tanks. I'm big on tanks. <laughs> I or pugs. I tell you what, you, you bought a film in this week, haven't you, though? Yes, I have, though. What and is it, it, though? It accurately reflects the fact that I don't really like movies. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being I'm being able to talk. I love movies. They're terrific. But I'm not, like, uh, a particularly intellectual uh, movie watcher, as regular fans of the show will know from the films I've brought in before. This week, we spoke about him earlier, I brought in seminal uh, uh, 2004 or something, Nicolas Cage movie, National Treasure. Um, it is 2004, it's ten years old. Can it's ten years it? old this year. Yeah. Um, and it has aged appalling. <laughs> <laughs> you rewatched it, I take it. I, did, I rewatched it uh, just uh, over two nights, because... I, I couldn't sustain. The <laughs> Why did you bring it in there to film for seven-year-old no, boys? No, it, well, it is, uh, but uh, it is brilliant. I think there's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to talk about here. Can you uh, tell me what? Uh, so, National, National Treasure is is one. Of, it is exactly my kind of popcorn movie. It's like uh, a concept movie, essentially, where someone went, "What if there was a treasure map on the back of the fucking uh, uh, Declaration of Independence?" And and they've run with it, and they've totally. Uh, remain calm about stuff like hmm there is there is no history of giant secret treasure troves in the United States of America um, you know Native American peoples not that big on treasure really they didn't care about it too much um, um, the Incas were in South America the Incas but were, the Spanish took all of but, that but, so. but, and that's in bloody South America so no one's interested in that what if we just sort of pretend there's this giant magical historical treasure trove that was transported around the world from Egypt to the Temple of Solomon, uh, from there to Paris, sort of. That's intimated that it was there. And then, for some unknown reason, transported in secret across the Atlantic to a tiny backwater, unimportant country (laughs) that was just coming into being on the edge of the known world. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then, for whatever reason, they've designed an elaborate series of clues to to lead to it which very difficult to interpret unless you take some extremely fortunate guesses <laughs> that have to pay off really well and who is uh, explain uh, the cast maybe the cast is Nicolas Cage um, to the mind, best of my memory there is no one else in the film because um, <laughs> no. he fucking blows Sean everyone Bean. else off the screen Sean Bean is Sean, the villain young Ned Stark is the villain in it uh, whose motivations are very difficult to, to understand money he wants money well, he does but then at other times he sort of he seems to be quite friendly towards Nicolas Cage's character 
Uh, and then he double he keeps double crossing him for for no clear reason. Well, he's he um he's occasionally posh English and occasionally very northern as well. Yes, depending on how evil he's being. Yeah. Um, he, he the rest of his team is made up of a series of American men doing really bad impressions of English or British. No, British. So there's a Scotsman, there's, there's an Irishman, Irishman. And then there's a guy who God only knows where he's supposed to be from. <laughs> yeah, I think it's South Africa, isn't it? It was, it was odd. Some there's some weird stuff going on accents wise, isn't it? But. I, I do genuinely love this movie because it's just so silly and uh, and joyfully silly and it knows it's dumb and it kind of just doesn't give two hoots about it. The, in the first act, if you look at it in three acts, the number of times they say the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just like, can you, is there not a shorthand you can... I think they were sponsored by the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah, it certainly feels that way. It's like... If you said it once, we've got to steal the Declaration of Independence, you'd get a whoop from the audience, yeah. like, yeah! And then when, for the next 15 minutes, you say it 20 more times, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, when we steal the Declaration of Independence, it's like, this is a bit silly. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it sort of came along at that time when um, people decided that uh, with the success of the Da Vinci Code... Well, it's before the... It's quite interesting, I was reading the... Uh, there's a great review by the... If you don't like us reviewing films, why not read Roger Ebert, who's one of the best of reviewers? <laughs> so I looked at his review of it. Yeah. And it came a year before Da Vinci Code. No. So it was like they were trying to rush this out before. They right. Let, and he, oh, he, before the film. Yeah. So he's, so the book was already massive. So this was sort of spawned of someone, at, it's, someone at Disney saying, hey, we need to make some money out yeah, of something. Yeah. This is popular. Let's make this film uh, before Da Vinci Code comes out, but I mean the Da Vinci Code uh, itself was um, one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. But clearly hankering after a film adaptation, and uh, clearly loved the Indiana Jones films. All of yeah. these hark back to Indiana Jones, don't they? Because they, there's so many, uh, uh, there's so many just sort of references and similar patterns it, it's it's creating a genre out of the historical treasure hunter guy yeah which is great i mean and this is post uh, the lara croft movie and there's a lot of lara croft in it as well yeah you know it's it's almost like they said hey tomb raider you know that it was okay you know what would make it great if he was a, if he was a guy <laughs> Yeah, it was Nicolas Cage, and there was nothing supernatural about it. But what I love is that because that, there's a clear um, conceptual connection between Tomb Raider and this, and they've got the same guy to play the dad. Yes, so, John, John Voight. Yeah, it's got actually got an incredible cast. Yeah, but he, it's like John Voight. Well, he played Lara Croft's dad, so he'd probably so he be really good at this. We can't get Sean Connery, so um, he's yeah. retired. So Harvey Keitel's the FBI. Uh, head. Yeah, yeah. Justin Barther from the Hangover movies plays the sort of dweeby tech guy on their team. Diane Kruger, Helen of Troy. Oh yeah, Diane Kruger. She's good in it. I yeah. think. I think it's good. It's a thoroughly enjoyable romp, but so silly. Have you seen the sequel? I have, but I can't remember a single I stopped, thing. That I had to it. the first time I saw this film. I think I've started watching the Book of Treasures twice when it's been on TV. Thinking Book of Secrets, a uh, Book of Secrets, whatever it's called. And uh, thinking, oh, here's a film on a Saturday. I want to just relax and watch a really rubbish film. Yeah. Oh no, this is too bad for me to even watch as a rubbish yeah, film. Yeah. What well, I think the sequel actually gets its tone even better because it knows exactly what yeah. it's doing. With with the sequel, they now what is the first point of call? They because it's it's even bigger than stealing the Declaration of Independence. They 
have to at some point kidnap the president. Yeah, because they have to get it's in the president's desk that the yes. the whatever it's called the Constitution desk that was built out of USS Con- or something. Yeah, it's to do with some ship, and they're like inside the desk. There's like carved in one of the drawers. Oh, and they have to break into Buckingham Palace because his mum is in it, who's played by Helen Mirren, who's English. Oh uh, yeah, and so they the uh, they break into Buckingham Palace, and then the final thing is in uh, Mount Rushmore. Because the president. Hey, spoilers, everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's there's, it's a really fun genre, isn't it? I mean, whether well, yeah, a, I think this this felt to me as if it's written by a seven year old boy who's watched uh, Indiana Jones and he's just gone. Oh, and then the ma- and you know the kids who write stories go, and then yeah. the car came down, the car smashed into another car, then they jumped out and they threw bombs at the car, and they went and hid in the woods, and then the big yeah. monster came, not a monster, the, even, then some bad guys came. Even even what... sort of um, the the child who's uh, watched Indiana Jones's appreciation of the um, the emotional scenes as well, you just go, and then and then he talks to his dad, and they are fine with each other now, yeah. and then he you know it's all then there. He kisses the lady like what I thought that, that is that, the most out of nowhere kiss. It's, I've it's ever brilliant. seen. Brilliant. So, because I remember I watched it and I was like, now I can't remember. I've seen this film before. I saw it in the cinema. Um, I, I can't remember. He kisses her. So, so they're, they're, at that stage, Sean Bean and his, his team of uh, poly accented weirdos are, um, are, uh, have, have got, uh, uh, what, what's his name? Gates. Gates. Ben Ga- Benjamin Franklin Gates. They're all named after presidents. Yeah. They've got Ben. They've got Ben and Diane Kruger's character, Charlotte or something, uh, under um, so under under lock and key. Well, they're, they're forcing them to use their incredible historical knowledge to get them past the world's most straightforward series of uh, um, puzzles. Puzzles. Um, it's under what? It's buried under Franklin Street. Oh, I think that must mean Franklin Street. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, he kisses her, and I thought, oh, he must be passing her something. Or something, yeah. Because there's no real reason for him to kiss her at this point. But he wasn't just giving her a cheeky smooch as they went along, no, just I to establish th- like this is going to happen later. I think it's genuinely in this sort of romp uh, that sort of to get anything since uh, romancing the stone onwards. They have to kiss for the first time at, at this minute in the movie. Yeah. So they literally then, well, Where what are, are they, they doing in this movie? Are they sort of in a corridor? Well, they, he could kiss her. Okay, fine. Okay, we'll just then move on. But I, I think it's explained because. They've got such historical knowledge, which is crazy. Yeah, they're both severely autistic. <laughs> so that's what happens: is they just go. That's what, what would happen. It's just instinctive. There'd maybe no build-up. Maybe both bam. the characters understand screenplay rules, and they go, "We should, we, we should, should kiss really now." Kiss I think it's advance this relationship. Well, here's my question. Yeah. Well, other than why did you bring this film? Um, <laughs> the other question is, why do you think this film has aged about fifty years in only ten years? Well, I think it's because there's no universal truth at the core of this film. <laughs> what, there's nothing. You know, it's, there's nothing to be taken away from this film. It is like it's an empty carbohydrate uh, of film nutrition. You eat it, and it does nothing for your body other than makes you slightly fatter. Um, the the whole. I I do genuinely. Re- I really thoroughly enjoyed rewatching this movie. I watched it over two nights only because I was a busy bee and I couldn't fit it all in in one evening. Um, and it's it's just good, clean fun. And basically, at no point do you, uh, uh, are you is your brain taxed. You don't learn anything. You literally don't learn any history because the history that, that uh, the history experts are such experts about is all pretty straightforward. Basically, <laughs> you know, it's like um, 
well, you understand, you know, the, the bell, the, the Liberty Bell, it was moved. It's not there now. And it's like, well, yeah, everyone, anyone who's ever been to Philadelphia knows it's, it's you're, you're like, huh, it's in this man-made thing that was built in 1980. I guess they must have hidden the secret here. It's probably in the actual bell tower. I There's a lot thought. of deleted scenes of wider shots of him just glancing down at a leaflet he's picked up yeah, from the he, lobby. Yeah, basically, basically, Sean Bean need, needed uh, uh, um, Nicholas Cage's character to help him uh, only because he was too lazy to read any of those big plastic <laughs> sort of signs that are put outside historical landmarks that sort of say, this place was built in uh, 17, uh, 1798. So, but when, oh. he, when he has to crack obscure codes... He's able to do it by himself really, really easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By, by thinking and getting everyone to be quiet. Yeah, yeah he goes, oh, uh, oh, I think it replies silence. It must be the silence doogulers. What? How do you know about that? You're just some, some weirdo. But also, I mean, Nicolas Cage, what, there's some fantastic scenes of it in this movie of him being like, let's see, silence. Silence is golden. Like the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Bridge is played by four people. Four. 1774 <laughs> the battle of Bunker Hill it's at the top of the hill it's like that doesn't it's crazy that's proper Adam West that is deliberating total from a, guff it's like, Adam Westing isn't it that is a, a, oh, that, that would probably almost being sick but he just uh, coughed into uh, my ear he got quite excited he loves a bit of uh, false deduction as well like oh, all yeah. dogs how crazy do you think Nicolas Cage is in this film Oh, he's nowhere near Top Gear. But he's it? simmering all the time. You can see the certain moments when he is acting properly mentally. In the sequel, he um, plays a British character to get oh his way God, into the yes. palace. And that, he, he briefly tips over into Vampire's Kiss territory for a bit. It's beautifully weird. Wait, what is Vampire's Kiss that one with like Ron Perlman as well and they're transporting witches around? No, that is... That's another that's Black thing that he's in. Death. No, it's not. It, that's Season of the Witch. That's it. Cool, that's... Black Death is the one that came what? out at the similar time with Sean Bean in it. Yes. Um, yeah. No, Season of the Witch. And well, anyway. I watched dialogue in this film and there's an incredible moment where they all decide they need some new clothes, so they all go to Urban Outfitters and spend about five minutes. Putting you on get clothes. a really good view of all the clothes in Urban Outfitters, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then trying on clothes and how the clothes. I read an interesting <laughs> piece of very reasonable. This Urban Outfitters. Interesting piece of trivia on the IMDb is that the good guys use Google and the bad guys use Yahoo.com. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's a very right. clear, like them Yahooing something. The bad but, I mean, guys they use literally, Yahoo. That's that's again like no one for for four hundred years this treasure is laying untouched. No one has known that it's here. And then they, like the bad guys Google like Colton Place, seventeen seventy three. Oh, there's where it is, and they just go there. <laughs> There's it's a like, lot of just no googling one it. Done that? I'm sure if they just Google Templar treasure, <laughs> I bet no one's done that. We should do that, and we find out. Oh, it's actually buried treasure in the middle of London. Yeah, oh, we go there now and go and get a big millionaire. This genre isn't going to go away, though, because uh, in the pipeline, uh, as you may well know, is the Assassin's Creed film uh, yeah. starring Ma- uh, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. And that is exactly this genre. Oh, it's been Fassbender simmering under the surface in the games for years, yeah. hasn't it? It's, which is, uh, if you don't know the Assassin's Creed video game franchise, it's exactly life, this. Loser. It's... Templars versus the Illuminati, the basically assassins. the assassins. But it's you know secret treasures and gadgets yeah, yeah, and, and traps, long and... hidden underground things. I think. I mean, listen. 
I think we can all agree that National Treasure sta- like stands in Western civilization culture as a sort of as the start of a very important, meaningful genre in cinema. That yes, Indiana Jones came before, but in the same way that John the Baptist came before Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they were the, those, those movies were the warm-up act for the National Treasure movies. Would you go to a costume party dressed as Gates? I regularly have. Would uh, anyone know you'd come in costume? Uh, well, I always have that tube over his back, which also, it's just like, it's so funny because they spend such large chunks of the movie being like, oh, it's the Declaration of Independence, we've got to be careful. And then he's basically got it slung over his back in a sort of like... You know, like an artist, like one of those tubes for carrying posters. Yeah. And, he did, and it, you know it's going to be bouncing up and down in there. Like, by the time they gave it back, the edges of it would be so frayed. <laughs> like, completely... Sounds like you've stolen the Declaration uh, uh, of Independence before. I had, many times. Well, I, I was worked as a researcher on this movie, and I had to break oh, into the Smithsonian. Quite bad, buddy. I... Although we were making jokes out of it, I found it strangely enjoyable. Yeah, yeah that's too. the key. That's what I'm talking about. Is it's fun. It's I, not classy. I sort of love the fact that it's it's an ancient treasure movie with a history that's only 200 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and also, and like they break into the into, into they finally get into the treasure room, and everything is so covered in dust that it looks like it's been there for 3,000 years. It's it's only been there. It's only been un, unmanned for about 120 years, and so it's in a cellar on. underground. It's quite possible that. Um, Somebody whose granddad put it there is still alive. Yeah, almost certainly. <laughs> they could have just asked the uh, those people. Yeah, well, it's all this kind of weird thing. Like Charles Carroll, Charles Carroll of Carrollton, who, who is who is their char- character at the start, who's the last surviving signer of the Declaration of Independence. It's just, it's so weird as well because the, the, the whole premise of the movie is like the Templars believed. Well, also, the Templars did not come about because they found a load of treasure under the Temple of Solomon. That's, that's <laughs> not what happened in real life, uh, Templar fans. But also, the, the, the whole premise of the movie is like, the Templars believe this treasure was too great for any one man to possess. Dish it out, then. I'd dish it out amongst the lads, and then they all could have enjoyed it. No, sit on it. Or, yeah, just um, and like, uh, I've been given to a series of, uh, of different museums around the world. They just could have done that. Mm. Ages ago, I know that like the modern notion of museums didn't exist then, but I don't know. It's just it's so silly. And the bad guy's called Ian, which is got to be a, a hilarious bad guy name. Yeah, it's such a bland. <laughs> it sounds like the, it, Ian is the sort of name of someone you. My granddad was called Ian, so you leave, uh, a note for, you leave a note for saying, "Did you finish all of my fucking milk, Ian? Please replace <laughs> it." Rather than to be fair, my granddad did drink a lot. Of he did drink yeah, a lot. that Ian sounds like a really bad guy as well. So, how many Humphreys would you give it? I'm going to give it eight Humphreys out of ten. Out of a possible ten. A possible ten Humphreys. Wow. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Like, I, I defy anyone not to have a good time watching that film. And if you don't have a good time watching that film, then you're just your pretentious arsehole. I think there's a National Treasure 3 on the cards as well. I mean, him and the, direc- the director have had a long collaboration now. He did The Sorcerer's Apprentice as well, where oh, Nicolas yeah. Cage plays a wizard. I'd give it six Marricks. How many days should you give it? A seven. So it averages out at a seven. Seven. Oh, go and look, watch it if we haven't ruined it for you already. Well, thank you for coming, Humphrey. Thanks for um, coming. Have you got anything Good you'd pleasure. like to plug? Uh, I'll plug, well, I mean, really bleakly in my Twitter feed uh, uh, at, at com. No, watch that saw. Um, <laughs> watch that explode up. Yeah, uh, I think everybody who listens to your podcast who chooses to follow me has already done so. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, 
Over to my Instagram as well. Phone out Humphrey Carr. Didn't know you're on Instagram. What do you? I'm on you put Instagram. Up? Bit of this and that. Yeah. Last one picture of my new football boots I bought. Oh, that's pretty yeah. thrilling stuff. Yeah. Right. Photos of my holidays. Ooh. <laughs> we should get an Instagram. You should. Oh, you, you don't have a Send photos uh, of. Humphrey. Uh, I mean, I don't go on holiday or buy boots. But this is know. strictly audio. Yeah. Um, well, we'll be back next week with more films. Keep watching the films. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.